Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Today we're going to be looking at a different kind of sermon. Instead of preaching on that passage, I'm going to be preaching on the topic of conflict in the book of Proverbs. So it's a topical sermon, and I would normally do this as part of a longer series on uh, going through the book of uh, Proverbs, so just to let you know that. So uh, we won't deal with many of those interesting Proverbs, but some of them will come up uh, as we go through. I should say I've never been able to get away with the uh, statement there um, about I'm, I'm not arguing, I'm just uh, explaining why I'm right. Uh, so I'm not commending that as a way forward, but... Uh, Uh, Let's begin. Why don't I pray for us as we begin? Lord God, conflict's a big issue for many of us, and uh, none of us uh, probably deal with conflict well at all times. So we do pray that you might give us some wisdom now from your word, uh, guide what I say, and guide our thinking, shape our hearts for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, conflict is certainly a big issue in life, isn't it? Uh, We look around at the newspaper, uh, we think of uh, events in history, Um, America's trying to uh, pull out of their war in Afghanistan after 20 years where there's just been ongoing conflict and no real change in the country. The country is perhaps more in the rule of the Taliban than it ever has been. We think of uh, the situation at the moment over in a place like Myanmar um, where there is conflict between ordinary people just going on trying to get about doing their lives, uh, earning a living raising a family, and then you've got uh, powerful generals who are in it for the power and the money and prestige. But we see in our own uh, local situation, uh, politics thrives on conflict. And people have to spend time belittling others, putting others down as a way of promoting themselves. At a personal level, we see marriages breaking up in increasing numbers, long-term friendships torn apart, workplaces toxic, and people clamouring for change. If only it were different in the church, but it's not, is it? Do you know the number one reason for missionaries returning from the field early? It's not conflict with their local people, but it's conflict with their fellow missionaries. Even people dedicated together to serve a particular people often find themselves in conflict with their fellow workers. And sometimes our churches are places ripped apart by conflict, sometimes over really important issues like whether the walls and the church toilets are painted blue or grey. but sometimes about important theological issues and uh, personal differences and sometimes just about plain power plays. It's not a good advertisement for the Christian faith. Certain things change when you become a Christian, obviously. You have new priorities and new direction in life. But often the way we handle conflict is not one of them. But as the Spirit is growing in each one of us, his fruit... Remember, it includes love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Then that ought to be changing 
the way we relate to others and therefore how we deal with conflict. Well, do we have any resources in scripture that might help us to uh, handle conflict, resolve conflict in a more God-honouring way? Well, the good news, perhaps no surprise to you, is that we do. That's why I'm preaching on it. And one such place is the book of Proverbs. You might have noticed that not all the uh, Bible reading dealt with conflict because the book of Proverbs isn't arranged by topic, but we'll have to be jumping around all different parts of the book of uh, Proverbs. And as a result of that, I'm going to put the, uh, a few Bible readings or references up on the overhead behind me, just so that you won't need to jump around in the book finding uh, the different passages I refer to. I should say at the outset that some conflict is actually good. There ought to be conflict when we find evil in our society, when we find injustice in our society. And so Proverbs talks about some of that too. It uh, says, for example, to those in uh, a situation of authority, speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And as you do that, you will necessarily be involved in conflict with those who benefit from them being put in an unjust situation or in a poor uh, or oppressed uh, place. So we don't want to get rid of all conflict, but we do want to handle it in a way that honours God. And much conflict, if handled badly, is dis uh, destructive, devastating and disruptive. So I want to suggest a number of things that we see in the book of Proverbs about how we can avoid unnecessary conflict arising or escalating. And the first thing that we're commended in the book of Proverbs is to sometimes we need to overlook an offence. 1911, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offence. What kind of things would you overlook? Well, you overlook minor matters. You overlook things that aren't going to have an ongoing effect. And you particularly overlook hurts addressed towards yourself. It's also suggested that we can cover many things over by love. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Or in Proverbs chapter 17, whoever would foster love covers over an offence. You've got to work out what kind of offences you need to cover over. You don't uh, um, cover over something that's going to continue to be destructive or harmful or hurtful. But it's really a matter of if, if there's a fire in the kitchen of your house and you've got a fire blanket there, the two things you can do is you can go and tell everyone that, uh, oh, so-and-so started a fire in my kitchen and look, it's starting to burn the whole house down now. Or you could get the fire blanket out and douse the fire out, now cover it over before it becomes a more significant problem. And when it's talking about love covering over an offence, it's talking about using a fire blanket, putting that on a fire rather than pouring petrol on it. Now, you can pour petrol on uh, fires by gossip um, or slander or just by repeating things and accusations about people? Are we going to be involved in community building or community breaking in the way we respond 
to conflict? Are we going to aim for peace and therefore avoid needless strife? One of the ways in which the book of Proverbs talks about uh, preventing conflict arising or escalating is by a soft answer, a gentle answer. So uh, a gentle answer, Proverbs tells us, turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, we know that isn't always going to be the case. Sometimes when we speak graciously, people are still going to respond in exactly the same way. But a gracious answer, uh, uh, gracious words, uh, described as like a honeycomb. Um, they're sweet, they're soothing. And they have the best chance of nipping conflict in the bud before it becomes a real problem and prevent you getting onto the conflict train. Remember an illustration from John uh, Powell, um, who said that uh, he was out walking with a, a friend getting uh, the morning newspaper, um, and uh, he uh, went up to the news agent, uh, politely said, oh, can I have a copy of the daily, daily paper? And the newspaper man said, oh, if you want to, um, gruffly uh, rejecting him, Oh, thank you very much for giving me the paper, he said. Gave him the money and, uh, oh, thanks for the change. And the man said, <laughs> terrible day today. And, uh, you know, the man was amazed that this friend was remaining positive and said, is he always like that? And he said, yeah, I think he is. And do you always respond to him with such gentleness and kindness? Yeah, I try to. But why? Why don't you treat him the rude way he treats you? And he said, because I don't want to be like him. I don't want his pattern to be reflected in my life. And a gentle answer helps us as well as it helps the situation. Now, I said it won't always happen that a, a soft answer will turn away wrath. Um, sometimes when a bully is bullying you or when someone is harassing you, a soft answer may turn a person away, but it may just think, uh, make them think that uh, here you're weak, you can't stand up for yourself. Well, that reminds us that these are proverbs, not promises. That is, it's a bit like the... Uh, the proverbs we have in English, uh, they'll sometimes be true, but sometimes won't be true. And that's why in English we have uh, conflicting proverbs, don't we? Many hands make light work, but too many cooks spoil the broth. Look before you leap, but he who hesitates is lost. Now, which is true? Well, you say they're both true, but you need to work out when one is true and when another is true. And of course, you find the same kind of thing in the book of Proverbs, where in chapter 26, verse 4, we're told to answer a fool according to his folly. Chapter 26, verse 5, we're told don't answer a fool according to their folly. Now, which one are you meant to do? Well, you need to have the wisdom to know when to do one and when to do the other. And uh, Proverbs are not designed to apply in every situation with every person, so you need to have the person. I want to say a bit more about that because here we have in Proverbs not just a whole lot of commands about what we're to do, but as we'll see about who we are. But more of that in a minute. 
The last thing I want to say about uh, avoiding unnecessary conflict arising is uh, to live a life which honours God. Chapter 16, verse 7 says, When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. You see, a genuinely Christ-like life is attractive and it will deter conflict. That's not to say that some God-botherers or some people who regard God-botherers as an annoyance on life won't react to that, but you're much more likely to minimise conflict or unhelpful conflict if you live a life that honours God, a life of generosity, of kindness, of thoughtfulness, a life that shows the kind of sacrificial love that Christ has shown to us. And that too will minimise conflict, but again, there aren't any guarantees. Well, we're also told there are certain behaviours to refrain from. The first thing we might refrain from is actually starting a conflict in the first place. Chapter 17, we're reminded that starting a quarrel is like uh, breaching a dam, literally letting out water. And you've seen those movies where uh, a dam starts to break and at first you have just that trickle of water. It only seems a, a little bit, you think, oh, I'll go and get a rag and I'll mop that up. But soon that trickle starts to get bigger and bigger and then the dam bursts. And uh, we're told that um, starting a conflict can be like that, bursting a dam. And we need to, uh, to uh, realise that one way of dealing with conflict is not to create it in the first place. Uh, and certainly unproductive conflict. Well, the second thing we've told is that stirring up conflict is uh, twisted, it's uh, perverse. A perverse person stirs up conflict. Uh, or in chapter 29, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. There's a place for self-control. After all, it is part of the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? of valuing the relationship instead of winning the argument or getting your own way. And that's often part of the problem. We have an ulterior motive. It's not so much that we need to win this particular thing, but we want to achieve something, and that can get in the way of listening to what's actually going on and hearing the other person. Well, here's some useful practices that Proverbs uh, talks about uh, in terms of putting in, oh, I should have mentioned gossip is a, another one. I, I don't want to miss that out because I think that's the thing that Christians are most prone to, um, that some churches, uh, uh, all you need to do is let a bit of information out and it goes around the church like wildfire. Uh, you think of how eager people are to know about the new minister at a particular place. And uh, you see clergy talk about it. I mean, clergy are as bad as everyone else we are in terms of gossips. Uh, we like to pass that information on. We like to get that information. Um, that uh, Book of Proverbs says, a gossip separates close friends. A gossip separates close friends and gives the advice, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. We uh, sometimes hide it, don't we, under the guise of sharing a prayer point. <laughs> but no matter how we brand it, it's often gossip about another person. And it's not healthy, and it's not constructive, 
and it doesn't honour God. Well, here's some useful practices to put into place. And I should say, I'm guilty of it too. So I don't want you to think that I'm, uh, you know, rebuking you for something I don't do. I, do. I do it. And I need to be challenged by this passage as well. Here's some useful practices to put into place. First, we need to listen before we speak. Proverbs 18 reminds us to answer before listening. That is folly and shame. And I think I'm too quick to speak before I've fully understood a person's hurt. I'm solving the problem rather than listening to their pain. And uh, I sometimes don't listen long enough to find out what the real underlying issue is. Often when people come up to me and talk about, you know, why is there a problem of suffering in the world? Uh, how can you believe in a God of love when there's suffering in the world? Now, I immediately go into my mind, okay, this is an apologetic issue. Uh, let me give the standard apologetic response. Uh, let me think, what would Scott Harrow say on this kind of situation? <laughs> and, and then parrot it off. But in fact, the real issue for that person might be that their Aunt Tilda just died. Or a nephew who was five years old is uh, uh, suffering from leukaemia. And I need to hear whether the issue is a, an apologetic issue a head knowledge issue, or whether it's a, a real life issue, a, an experience issue, a, a challenge to their faith. And it's only when we listen before we speak that we'll find that out. Okay. Second thing that we can do is to show patience. Proverbs 18 says, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one who is patient calms a quarrel. Patient about uh, getting your way, about achieving a goal, patience about changing a person's viewpoint, patience in thinking, well, maybe my values aren't what's needed here. And indeed, there's also a place for self-examination. That's a hard thing, isn't it? We instantly jump in and think the other person is a problem in a conflict situation. It's their fault. I haven't done anything. But the book of Proverbs tells us that uh, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. And we all have ulterior motives at times. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart, what we're really like on the inside. Um, and while we might have uh, spoken words that are true, that's not the whole situation. And we need to look at what's really going on. So there are some practical things that we can do. But Proverbs says so much more than that. If I just left the sermon there, you might think that the book of Proverbs just is a book giving us advice as to how we might deal with conflict. But one of the rules you'll learn here at Ridley is that it's always important to read any text in the context of the whole book. And so you need to read any proverb as part of the whole book of Proverbs. And Proverbs starts not with the sentence Proverbs that we've been looking at in, uh, from chapter 10 through to towards the end of the book, but it starts with chapters 1 to 9. And this is our reading guide for the whole of the book of Proverbs. And we'll look at that in the Old Testament class, I'm sure, in se second semester. But there are three things I want to uh, remind you of that are important principles from chapters 1 to 9. The first is really the concept of the fear of the Lord or treating God as God. 
Unless you start there, you will get nowhere, Proverbs says. A right relationship, right grounding in God. The second thing that Proverbs 1 to 9 tells us is the importance of choosing wisdom, not folly. It does it dramatically in terms of chasing after Dame Wisdom rather than Lady Folly, um, a choice between two women in the, in the book of uh, Proverbs, but that ongoing choice of choosing the path of wisdom rather than the path of folly. And the third thing that the book of Proverbs says in chapters 1 to 9 is the importance of having your character shaped, of what you're like on the inside shaped. It sometimes speaks of it in terms of the heart. And there's a great verse in uh, chapter 4, verse uh, 23, which says, above all else, guard your heart. Guard what you're like on the inside, for everything you do flows from that. The kind of things that we've been talking about are the surface applications of what's going on inside us. And the, often the real issue for conflict is not so much the outward behaviour, but what drives it, what energises us to go persist in a conflict situation. And so the book of Proverbs itself tells us so these useful reminders ground our life with God, make sure that we're treating God as God. Make sure that we're choosing the pathway of wisdom and make sure that we have our hearts, our character changed by God, that we uh, have that business of transformation. Now, is that true for us as New Testament believers? Well, yes, it is. We come with the same kind of thing as New Testament believers. Uh, we need to have our foundation in terms of our relationship with God. We need to follow Christ's lordship in our everyday life and we need to have our characters change as the spirit grows his fruit in our life. But as I was thinking through some of these principles in Proverbs in the light of the New Testament, it struck me how many parallels there are. Matthew 7, Jesus says, um, fear him. Um, fear, fear, oh sorry, I should, I should perhaps start there in terms of examining yourself. Um, that importance of uh, self-examination um, Watch the plank in your own eye before you try to pick out the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. That's an important uh, principle echoing Proverbs. Conflict still matters, the New Testament tells us. So much so that if your brother or sister has something against you, what are you meant to do? Leave your gift at the altar, go be reconciled to them and then come and bring your gift. And Jesus sets out in Matthew 18 a way of dealing with conflict, of going to a person taking a trusted friend or two with you and then finally bring the matter to the whole church. Conflict is important and we need to follow God's advice in terms of conflict. But we also need to have those same kind of foundations we see in the book of Proverbs, the importance of fearing God. Um, when uh, we're told in uh, uh, Luke's gospel, I show you who you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you in hell. Oh, yes, I tell you. Fear him. That is, have a right attitude towards God. Not be afraid of God, but uh, have that right attitude, uh, I think, towards God. The importance of choosing the right pathway. Jesus tells us to enter through the narrow gate or the narrow path. For broad is the road that leads to destruction. And Jesus also reminds us that the problem is on the inside, not just the outside. In Mark 7, 
He says this, nothing from outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. You see, our character counts in the New Testament as much as in the, new, in the Old. We're told that a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. What you like on the inside determines what will grow on the outside. And indeed, the kind of fruit that we ought to be growing is that uh, determined by the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. The kind of things that we see in the New Testament are echoing the very things as we live under the Lordship of Christ, the very things that we read in the book of Proverbs. Well, Proverbs doesn't answer all our questions in relation to conflict, nor does it ensure that we will handle it necessarily in helpful ways. But it does tell us that conflict is an important part of life and needs to be handled well in order to flourish as a person in God's world. And it reminds us that often the outer conflict is only the tip of the iceberg and that we might need to look beyond the issue to the underlying problem or character for. But conflict handled well is a terrific advertisement for the gospel and the positive and transformative work of the spirit which changes us each day more and more into the likeness of Jesus. Wouldn't it be terrific, brothers and sisters, if the world looked at the church and marvelled at how God's people dealt with conflicts. Amen.